Hi everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Yellow Card. We welcome you back after two match weeks. Since the games are coming thick and fast, we thought it may make sense to club a couple of match weeks together. Hi Dipen, how are you? What are your thoughts on this part? past match week and especially your thoughts on your beloved Arsenal and Aubameyang who's scored this past weekend at the wrong end of the goal. Hey Chirag, what's up? Yeah, the match weeks are coming thick and fast. The games are being piling on and uh, the pain is being piled on as well. I mean, Arsenal, the campaign has just derailed so dramatically that it's unbelievable. I mean, find ourselves the 15th, I think 15th on the table. I can't even bear to look, so I might not even know the exact position. But uh, pretty soon it might look like uh, I might have to find a new team for the next year. I agree. And, and I think things under Arteta have actually taken a very bad spiral downwards because even though his, his team, his players seem to be defending him, all of a sudden, Arteta doesn't seem to know what he's doing. Not very comfortable. A lot of questions being raised as to why Ozil is not only warming the bench, but literally sitting at home warming his couch when they lack creativity. Because here is where a player like Ozil, who's getting paid thousands and thousands of pounds a week, is not in the Premier League side or not in the Europa League with them. So, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. In a normal scenario, I would have said that Arsenal took the decision that Ozil will not be part of the campaign very early on and even if they were not doing great it would have been okay to stick to that decision but now it just looks like there is no option left there is no creativity coming i mean you're relying primarily all the plays that are being made are being made by a i think 19 year old kid saka is doing all the work and while ozil is getting the salary and obamayang is getting the salary and Willian is getting three-year contracts and they're, they're not performing. While this guy is being, doing all the work, trying to get something going, every play that you see is almost initiated by his runs or his uh, dribbling with the ball or his one-twos with other players. And uh, the rest of them have just gone missing. And there have been quite a few poor decisions being taken on the field. So, you, I'm not sure you can blame it on the coach only. But yeah. Three red cards in the last four or five matches. And every time you go down to 10 men, you do not have that kind of a system or you, you're not in that stronger position that you can overcome a one-man deficit game in, game out. So, things are, things have dramatically gone downward. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because what's happening over here is, I remember during the end of the Wenger era, a lot of people wanted Wenger out. And uh, I think it's just been such a bad downward spiral from there. It's not even funny or it's very, very hard to believe. So, Arsenal have got a really big rebuilding exercise in front of them right now. And it's to be seen whether they can even make it to the top 10. And I, myself, while not the biggest Arsenal fan, Never thought that I'd actually be saying they may not make it into the top 10. Yeah, definitely. They may not make it to the top 10. And when you said, when, I mean, the fans said Wenger out, it, it was a fair call, to be honest, because Arsenal was stagnating, stagnating at that point. Uh, the problem is when Wenger went out, you don't need only a coach because Wenger was doing everything. He was the director of football. He was doing the scouting. He was the one making the calls to who to sign, who not to sign. 
all those things then needed to happen they needed to be institutionalized which never happened and a new coach coming in straight away is not going to get the leeway that wenger got and is not going to have the same kind of approach that wenger had so when wenger went out a lot of institutional build ups that needed to happen just to keep the whole system performing which did not happen so while the coaches take the brunt there is also a lot of blame that you know the club overall needs to take absolutely agree with you the pain and going to a flip side or to a completely other side let's talk about the professor because he's come in i think hired roughly as a, as the everton manager at around the same time as arsenal hired arteta he seems to have turned a cornerstone as far as everton are concerned and while there was a very very strong start with everton you felt that there was a downward spiral but he seems to have stopped that with two really really good wins in the last two games one against chelsea his old side and and another right now against leicester yeah this is probably all his managerial experience coming to the fore and where you can see the difference between a first time manager and an experienced manager like him uh, impressive impressive victory for everton against leicester going away to leicester and at home against chelsea so two be- two weekends two top clubs and two good victories for everton and they are looking like you know they're back to what the early promise that we saw absolutely agree with you and they actually sit fifth in the table so it's looking good for them and just as we spoke about chelsea what about wolves who's, who've come from behind against what i would think are strong chelsea side and reasonably in form other than that little mishap at everton and now chelsea have lost two in a row one at everton one at wolves and wolves actually came back and it's been a beautiful victory for them i think it was both potence and neto that scored scored the goal so uh they're looking good even though traditionally they're actually very dependent on uh Jimenez's goals they still managed to pull one out of the bag and that two against a strong strong Chelsea side yeah 95th minute winner by pedro neto so that was quite interesting uh, but i found the comment of uh, frank lampard after that uh, particularly interesting he said at 1-0 uh, we should have seen the game out if you're not playing that well which we weren't at that time hang on to a 1-0 and don't allow counter attacks is chelsea suddenly i mean we've been building them up saying that they're probably going to challenge for the title and are they suddenly not playing well that they need to you know hold on to 1-0 lead against wolves what are we interesting because that's not even their style they're not uh, structured the way they actually go out on the field they really don't line up for a counter attacking side that's not the way lampard trains them so if he wants to do that and go the dare i say mourinho route it's going to be very very interesting because they are not a traditional counter attacking side that's not the team they are that's not the team that they've actually they've not bought the players to counter attack and that's not the type of football that frank lampard trains them for so it's going to be interesting if you actually see chelsea all of a sudden trying to hit them on the counter or trying to actually park the bus or you know shift to a mourinho style 1-0 victory and then then let's just defend what we have yeah that that's why it was particularly interesting i said i i don't know where that was coming from because they've been playing well until these two game weeks happened and uh, yes they have a couple of injuries again but uh, that's kind of part of the season this uh, this season every team is going to suffer with uh, injuries from time to time and they have a large enough squad but on the positive side oliver giroud continues to score he's continued to find a starting place in the lineup and he continues to score 
Well, he's finally found a place in my fantasy side. So now he better continue scoring because I've just put him in. So I'm hoping he continues to start and continues to score. Uh, moving on to Leeds, what are your thoughts on Marco Bielsa's side? Because they just thumped Newcastle 5-2. Oh, they, they're playing some really good football. Yeah? They had 25 shots, uh, almost 70% of the possession against Newcastle. And uh, surprisingly, this was the first home win for Leeds this season. They've been playing impressively right through, right from the start. And I've been really surprised uh, by their uh, play. They, they Things are looking very good. Although Newcastle were, like I think they were a diminished squad due to the COVID uh, outbreak that they had. And the match was evenly contested. I think until it was 2-2. But then in the last 15-20 minutes, I think Lee's just ran away with it with three uh, fantastic goals. There. Absolutely. I agree with you. And moving on to a few draws that we have to talk about. I think West Ham and Palace ended up with a draw and so did Fulham and Brighton who played out draw. And uh, the draws actually ended up with Willa and Burnley also playing out a draw. Although I'll tell you what, the Villa and Burnley draw was some. It was pretty exciting. It was good football from Villa, and I didn't actually expect any. I didn't expect a, a goalless draw, and I certainly didn't expect Villa to come out. Uh, uh, what do you call without a goal and without a victory? Because they really, really, in my opinion, deserved to win. Maybe just lacked the finishing in the uh, in the top half of the pitch, and just couldn't take their chances when they had it. But uh, honestly, Burnley got away with one over there. Yeah, I think, and it was an entertaining nil-nil draw. It wasn't your generic boring not, not much happening kind of nil-nil draw Villa had uh, 27 attempts and they hit the woodwork like two or three times and so basically the woodwork and Nick Pope probably uh, is what came w- between them and uh, victory and a thumping victory probably but yes the finishing was I guess missing I think uh, El Ghazi uh, Elgazi missed a few. Grealish also himself. Right at the end, he had a very clear-cut chance and that he should have should have uh, taken to close the match. But he missed that. But overall, a very entertaining match, that one. Absolutely. And now let's talk about both the Manchester clubs. And when let's start with the blue side of Manchester. First 20, 25 minutes against West Brom and Manchester City looked like they were going to run away with the game. But... As we've seen in the recent past, Manchester City, just not all there, haven't been able to string up the line of goals, which they usually do. The kind of attacking form, the kind of attacking progress that they usually have, definitely missing. And West Brom actually got away with one. They managed to get a goal back and it was a 1-1 draw. So that was a big boost to West West Brom, considering the fact that they actually drew to Manchester City. And after that, they go and sack their manager Slavin Village, which was somewhat of a surprise coming after the City game. But then they've gone and hired Sam Allardyce, who has a proven track record. I believe he's never been relegated with any side that he's actually managed in the Premier League. And he's come into some tricky situations, last of which I think was Everton. But before that, even Palace, even with Crystal Palace, a very tricky situation, which he got the club out of. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he's the right man for the job? And would he be able to actually get West Brom out of the bottom three? Yeah, so Sam Allardyce definitely has the record for doing this. I mean, he has the past uh, performances where he's come in in similar situations and gotten the team through to next season and avoided relegation. Uh, It's going to be difficult for West Brom for sure. But the positive side for them is that the gap is not that large yet. It's only a four-point gap to the 16th or the 15th place team. So that means that there are still enough number of games where if they 
you know if he can work something with the players that he has that they can you know probably overcome that so that it will be an interesting challenge for him it's something that he's done before and it'll be interesting to see if he can actually do that with west brom this year as well absolutely i i like sam sam allardyce as a manager i would love for him to do it but uh, honestly my money is not on it i would be very very surprised if he pulls west brom out of this uh, and also bear in mind you said he's a little away from 16th and 15th uh, could we see arsenal in a relegation scrap i told you i'm worried i might have to find a new team for next year so <laughs> I certainly that hope I don't have to. Story. But the way things are going, you never know. I mean, it's it's only a matter of time, I guess. Till things, I mean, someone manages to turn this around. Either the players step up or the coach, you know, steps in and does something about it. But then we'll we'll just have to wait and watch for that. Right now, definitely there is uh, no light at the end of the tunnel that we can see. Absolutely, and now let's go to the red side of Manchester and Manchester United making a habit of coming from behind. Uh, nothing new as usual. They went a goal down. It was literally Sheffield United's players putting a crazy amount of pressure on Dean Henderson, formerly of Sheffield United, and to clarify, he was on loan last season with them, and they literally pressurized him into making a mistake. Uh, I remember a corner, and one of the first corners. literally there were three four people surrounding henderson where they were banking on henderson making a mistake he didn't make a mistake there but he did make a mistake while passing the ball to uh, out, out from his uh, from his uh, goal area from the d and uh, uh, sheffield united actually capitalized but then again marcus rashford to the rescue martial i think scored a goal if i'm not mistaken and 3-2 and uh, united pulled themselves out of a tough scrap yet again Well, I think yeah, th- this is a pattern that they've been following. So when when going away, they have a fantastic away record. But they go away, they concede a goal first, and then then they start playing what like they can actually play. And they they've you basically when in matches like this, you see the best and the worst of Manchester United in one game. They they're not there at the start till they concede, and after they concede, they suddenly turn on and they they. managed to score they managed to play good football and despite all the criticism that they've been having we've been also on criticizing uh, manchester united for the performances but they are only 5 points of liverpool and they have a game in hand that's an and important point you just brought up they have a so, game in hand so despite all that we've been saying about their play the results are coming although in between the on, During the weekend, there was a very tired and dull and boring Manchester derby, the one like we've never seen before. Did you watch the game, Chirag? Oh, the Manchester derby was awful. I mean, I have no words. Literally, no one wanted to win it. I've never seen Pep go so negative. It literally, and I would tend to think it was a better point for Manchester United coming off that that defeat from uh, Leipzig, if I'm not mistaken, and going out of the Champions League. So I would think it was. Uh, a no-brainer from Solskjaer. He had to set up his team not to lose rather than to win. But for Pep not to chase it after that, I, I was very, very surprised. And literally a boring and dull Manchester derby. I definitely agree with your comments. Uh, we have criticised United a lot, and when they were a goal down, my thoughts exactly were. Here we go again. I'm going to get a chance to have another go at United. But you know, to give them credit, they came back. They came back strong. And dare I say it, I think Paul Pogba had a good game. 
there were some really really good passes over there and i was very impressed like where's this guy been so i was pleasantly surprised by his performance i still think he has to go but i was very very surprised like hey this this is a person we can get on board with where's this player been so yeah i i think that's what i have to say about united and pogba yeah so i mean there are rumors now that he might be going to juventus and uh, there might be a swap with uh, dibala maybe or we don't know but let's see how that progresses it would be interesting january window there are there are a few rumors that we might need to keep track of but oh, absolutely uh, yeah having said about this manchester derby where manchester city didn't look like they wanted to win the draw against west brom was not like that the draw against west brom that manchester city had they they were trying to attack they were on an all out attack but just they, after that first goal they just couldn't manage to score for some reason they have 20, they they also had 26 shots i think uh, on goal seven of them on target but uh, there seems to be they they're definitely missing aguero in that role up front jesus is not doing enough uh, sterling without aguero is not doing enough and mares has a game in like one in six games where he performs and the rest of the time it's not working the finishing So I agree with you I think first of all Mares I don't think actually gets enough game time I think it will be good if he has a run in the side to give him a fair chance I agree with you on the other comments I think Aguero is definitely being missed and on some level I also think that Man City are making a case with their owners to spend big money and get in Messi in January <laughs> because it's clearly clearly something's amiss and maybe Messi is that piece of the puzzle and we would all love to see him in the Premier League <laughs> yeah compromise one season to get to get Messi in the team it's probably a gamble but yeah maybe worth it i'm sure it'll be worth it for us having to see Messi in the Premier League would be a definite plus and add to that uh, the Manchester United Cristiano Ronaldo rumors and suddenly you have all the best players in the Premier League barring Rob- but Lewandowski yes <laughs> and moving on to the last game that we have to talk about and before we go there i was watching uh, the premier league fan zone and i think it's i think it's on star sports in india and uh, leroy rasinia came up with a very very good stat and i'm quoting him i hope i'm not wrong this is not something that that uh, i have done research on so credit to that team and and to leroy himself but i believe that at whichever position jose mourinho or jose mourinho sorry jose does not like being called jose whichever position that jose has ended up after 12 games he's always ended up in that same position at the end of the premier league and after 12 games tottenham were top of the league it's going to be interesting to see whether that stat or that record is broken or whether jose and his first side actually lift the premier league this season what would you like it to be we all know that i was very <laughs> very delighted with liverpool's performance so i'm sorry jose but my heart belongs to liverpool and jurgen klopp so you're not winning over there you can come second by a point or two i wouldn't mind so but after the match obviously bobby firmino got that late uh, last minute winner for liverpool and you went top of the table to both two comments from both one comment each from both managers so mourinho said so close to winning but we missed the chances we had the chances had the game under control a draw would be a bad result so you can imagine how we feel with a defeat now klopp said on the other hand yes they have scored a goal they had two chances apart from that we controlled the game and it is a massively deserved three points and i am happy 
So which which manager has assessed this game correctly? I'm going to dare say really erring on the side of caution and bearing in mind that I'm a Liverpool supporter. I was scared, so I actually think Mourinho had the game a lot more under control than 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 Liverpool did. Uh, they're used to doing that. This is typical Mourinho. They didn't convert their chances. There were a good two to three chances which were just I dare say pretty easy. And Spurs should have converted them. And had Spurs done that, Liverpool would have been in big, big trouble. We got away with one, is the way I would put it. Uh, it was a good, good goal by Bobby Firmino. And, and uh, I'm glad that Firmino finally got that goal because with all his critics, first of all, he does a lot more than just score. And I'm glad that it was him uh, rather than Salah or Mane because... He would have continued to get stick because of the form Jota was in. But uh, I think a really, really good goal. It was an entertaining game. So, I'm in no way saying that Spurs ran away with the game or were in complete control all the time. I think Liverpool uh, did have a lot more of the possession, which was obviously expected given, given the way Mourinho was set up. But to say that, uh, I, I do agree to probably a little more extent with Mourinho that they knew what they were doing because the bottom line is right up until the end of the game, Liverpool didn't find a way to get through. Having said that, if Liverpool find a way to get through every time in the 90th minute or in injury time, we'll take it and we'll take the league with it. We have no problems with that. From what I saw, it was definitely a typical match like you would expect. Like Liverpool were attacking and Tottenham were just holding back, sitting back. And looking for the counter. Now, even the stats, I think, would support, I think, Klopp's assessment a lot more than uh, Mourinho's ex- uh, assessment of the game. Because you have 76% possession. That is that is a huge number. 76% of the uh, time, the ball was in the possession of Liverpool. There were 11 shots on target compared to only two for Tottenham. So, clearly, even if there were chances, they were nowhere near to being goals. Because they were not getting those uh, shots off on on the goal or on target i clearly saw harry kane missed missed a header where he probably should have scored bergwijn had another opportunity where he should have scored but they were that those efforts were miles away from uh, the goal being scored although the chances were big chances the efforts of on goal were not really there and with that kind of possession i'm sure that if that urgency of being two goals down was also there that Liverpool would have found a way. Well, I hope so because I am glad you're supporting Liverpool and I'm amazed to see that I'm not. But uh, <laughs> I, I think that the two opportunities you spoke about were two big, big chances. So while it ended up not being on target or an actual goal-scoring opportunity in the end, there were two, two huge chances which should have ended up in the back of the net, both of them, which would have meant that Spurs would have won the game or could have won the game uh, unless Liverpool had found some something else in their armour. And I do believe that the possessional stats are a big, big misnomer because that's exactly the way Spurs choose to set up. We all knew that Liverpool would dominate possession. We all knew Spurs would sit back. So... I don't think you can say Liverpool dominated based on the possession because that was the plan as far as Mourinho is concerned. So, you're, I would I would tend to think that we should have found a breakthrough considering that we dominated it so much, the, the possession. We should have found a big breakthrough way earlier than we did. That was my expectation. And then, yes, I would have definitely agreed with Klopp's assessment. We played fantastically well. I do agree with that. But we should have had two, three more goals, found an earlier break- breakthrough and broken the Tottenham counter chance, which we didn't do. 
I think it, yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. So it, in a sense, both both managers were wrong, and we we are better off. Absolutely, <laughs> I always speak the truth. Well, I think that's it from us for this week. Or oh, basically, as an assessment, a, a quick review of the past two game weeks. We'll be back. Not sure whether we'll be back at the end of this week or the end of two game weeks, but we'll be back soon at the other end of a couple of games. See you soon. Thanks for listening, and everyone. Cheers and good night. Cheers.